this week, obviously, we're going to do it live. So I, uh, we're recording this. So I need to prove that it's live. So on three, can you all say hello? One, two, three. Okay, I think that's landed the point. Right, so uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, if you search for Shiny New Object on Spotify, it'll pop up. Um, but this week, uh, I am interviewing Hub Van Bockel, who is the founder of Tenzing Natural Energy. Uh, we met on stage a, a few years ago, um, and here we are again. Um, so, Hub, for anyone who doesn't know you and what you do, can you explain it to the audience? <coughs> yeah, so, hello. Uh, my name is indeed Hub Van Bockel, something that sounds remotely like that. It's a horrible name in Holland. Uh, it's from Holland, and I live in the UK for about nine years, but no one comes close. Um, but that was really good, actually, by the way. Sorry. Um, so I was, ha I was head of marketing for Red Bull for about eight years in the UK and Europe. Um, I wrote a book called The Social Brand, which is about kind of brands being social, not being unsocial. Um, and then I launched Tenzing about four years ago as a plant-based alternative to the uh, traditional energy drinks. So... It's customary in the podcast to ask some getting to know you questions first before we get on to your shiny new object. So in the last five years, what has been your best investment of your own time, energy or money in your career? So it has to be last five. So I think no, that would obviously I would say then kind of obviously my my little baby Tenzing has uh, got my, the most investments that gone in that most time. Uh, but I think the key thing there is to kind of, kind of follow your, your the, the passion that, that you feel. And I think it's a very scary moment when you kind of, you know, when you've got a job that pays quite well and kind of, you know, you have to, like, we had to move to a smaller house and kind of, you know. Uh, in Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only one floor. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it's, I, I wasn't suffering, but it was still that kind of that choice that you go, like, I'm not going to take a salary. I didn't take a salary for about four years. So, you know, it is, you know, so it's, it's kind of those, that choice, but it's also the scariness of kind of, you know, you doing well, got a great CV. People are like, when you, when you work for a company like Red Bull, anyone wants to meet you, right? So you got enough budget, you got a great team. And then it was just me by myself in the beginning, which is kind of very scary, but that's also made it so ex extremely exciting. So I think that would have definitely been the most exciting uh, journey till now. So I, th I think a lot of people in the room will be able to relate to that feeling of, of working for an agency or a brand and thinking, my God, at some point I'd love to do my own thing. But as you say, moving away from the comfort of marketing celebrity and you know, a, a decent wage and stuff. So what, what happened? How did, what was the eureka moment when you were like, do you know what? I'm, I'm done with this incredible salary and flying around the world speaking to conferences. What made you tip over th the edge from being a CMO at Red Bull doing this um, I mean there was there was two main things I don't know if there's any Red Bull people in the audience let's just assume there isn't um, so I think there's two main things I think first of all I, lo I still love the Red Bull brand and I, I it was an amazing brand but I was a kind of disassociated with the product I, I wasn't drinking it anymore uh, so I was like okay I want I wanted something that I kind of could you know that I was passionate about more as a product as well. And secondly, I, like, I was kind of tired, I think, in that moment in your career where you kind of, you know, it's that, of the politics. 
I think when you start your career, and for the young people out here, I remember seeing the marketing director when I was young. I think, oh, I want that job one day because then I'll have freedom and no one will interrupt me with what I'm doing. And it's actually 100% counter when you're actually a junior brand manager. The amount of freedom you have is amazing. So it's the kind of this, this disillusion of moving up in, 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 in work and having to do with way more politics. So that was the key thing I wanted to kind of, products that I was passionate about and just kind of a kind of a, an organization that I, that I could make the choices and kind of build as, as my own. And so what was the what was the eureka moment around the product? Did you leave Red Bull going, do you know what, I'm gonna do a drink or FMCG or what, uh, what was that? Tell me the story of when you went, do you know what, I'm gonna do a, a natural products energy drink. Yeah, so the real, re uh, so I was kind of around, there was a lot of, there was, when I, after I left, I was like, you know, do I go for a normal job again or, you know, start, you know, consulting, all that kind of stuff. But I was quite sure that I wanted to launch something that was kind of a plant-based alternative, you know, so I was around that, that was already the kind of rough idea. But then I was looking for kind of a name and, a, and the actual ingredients. And funny enough, coming up with a name in, uh, in drinks or in any business is just impossible because it's, it's, it's the same category as beers, ciders, soft drinks, juices. So just imagine the amount of names that are already taken. So I was, uh, and I was traveling in Asia. So it's kind of still, I was just not for work actually, just as, a, as personally with, with, with the family. And then I was like, uh, and then I met someone who'd just been to Nepal and they told me about uh, what the Sherpas drink. So the Sherpas are best known for, you know, helping people up Mount Everest. Uh, they're just the people who live, they're the people who live in Nepal. Um, and they drink a really strong, they drink two drinks. They drink a really strong tea with salt and a, a lemon tea. And I had this... Um, uh, tea with salt? Yeah, it's like more of like a soup actually. Right, is that good? Drink it. Well, if, you, if, you th if you're expecting a tea, it's not good. But if you're <laughs> expecting a soup, it's, it's quite <laughs> tasty. Um, and, and I thought this is quite interesting and, would they, and then I had this uh, doctor help me with the, with the ingredients. I had already found him. So I had at that point already chosen I was going to do this. And I asked him, is this a cultural thing or does it make sense to have these teas? And he said, it actually makes quite a lot of sense because it's the vitamin C's, electrolytes and kind of caffeine that give it that triple hit that works. So then I thought, wow, this could really be something. And that actually straight away, I thought, I thought of Sherpa Tenzing. So Tenzing was the first man on Mount Everest, Edmund Hillary in 1953. And my dad was always talking about him. And then that was my eureka moment because I think I just knew and it was also available and it was just an amazing moment, actually a bit of a spiritual moment, I think, because there's so many doubts on, on the way to any startup. I was always, I think, being quite a creative person. Any of people from my team there here will know, I changed my mind about five times a day. But this time, I just knew for sure, like Tenzing, that's the one. Uh, and then the really cool story was I, I got it registered and then I talked to my trademark lawyer and I said, do I need their permission? of the family, he's passed away, Sheriff Tenzing's passed away, but I do need, and he says, you don't, because Tenzing is effectively, it's like John in Nepal, like most people are called Tenzing. Uh, but I said, obviously, but I want to, so I, I reached out to the family, uh, and then my whole family ended up meeting their whole family, and now we're there now shareholders in the business, and uh, so that's just been an amazing, cool part of the journey that I, uh, yeah, it was, and that's also cool, but I think starting your business, you never know what's gonna happen next, these kind of adventure stories, I don't think you have in your, in your age, you're in a bigger company, so yeah, that's the kind of, when it all came together. So typically with a successful startup, there's all kind of lovely, oh, it all came together and you know, all of the success stuff. But exactly, what, uh, what that, was, that was still the fun bit, yeah. But what are the bad recommendations that you've had from either from the marketing community or the startup community? What, what have you heard and applied and then gone, that was a terrible idea? Yeah, so the, well, well there's, I, I think there's a lot of, I would say most recommendations you get are really bad. So I think, you know, especially in the, uh, you've always got, I think you've always got to think who gives you this recommendation, right? So if you've got, do you know the start with why from Simon Sinek, for instance? 
I mean, it's just bullshit. Why is it it's bullshit? It's just because... Everyone it's in this room has watched that video and gone, it's that's just, There's the nothing true. true. Like, he's a consultant that came up with a great tech. That's his product. You know, I think that's his product. This is my product. That's his product. His start with why is his product. It's what he sells. There's no actual truth to it. I mean, like, as if Apple actually thought, well, you know, we want to change the world for the better and make it all more creative. We could start with self-help books or, you know, like retreats. Or we could also look, launch a computer. There was just two geeks who wanted to make an amazing computer. And then they made that. Like, so, so Amazon didn't start with why. They just thought, well, this online thing could be big. You know, let's, let's you know, as if Deliveroo, they didn't start with why. They thought, maybe they, he thought with why, is that why can't I get a pizza in the morning and I'm hungover and I want a pizza now. That might have been his why. But I think, you know, just having a purpose is fine. Uh, but I see a lot of people, for instance, that come to me, I do a talk, and they say, oh, they started with why, but I think you've got to start with your product. You've got to say, what are you going to actually be selling? What, what is the, what's unique about it? What's, what's different about it? And then I think having a purpose is amazing, but it's not what, you, what, you, what, what I think you should start with. And so so it just, it just goes to show, I just want to say, like, as a recommendation, don't listen to any advice. <laughs> so where did you get your advice from? I think trial and error. No, I think you've got to just look. You've got to look to who gives it. Actually, funny enough, I, I, when I started... I actually did, I, the first thing I did when I knew I was going to do it, I googled mistake people make when they launch a business. That's the first thing I did. <laughs> and I came on this uh, Harvard Business Review article and it said, go to market quick. So go to market when you don't have your product finished. And I know it's a very common thing in, like, in the digital world, but actually it's also the case in, a, in, a, in, a, in an actual product. So I, I took that advice to heart uh, and then I went to Google Pod and King's College because I'm through people I knew, and I just, I, I had a load of different flavors, a load of different kind of designs, and I asked for their input. And they then said, wow, this, this flavor could work. And they, they became ownership, owner of the, uh, of the drink themselves. And we launched, I think that was probably my whole first year, that they all launched. I thought the sales thing is so easy. But then after that, no one uh, took it on board for like a half a year. But I think so that, I w I, looking back, I should have done it even more. So there is advice out there but that, that, that you should take to heart. But I think be careful for the one-liners. So, before we move into how you've marketed the brand and how you've, how you've launched it, I, I'm keen to know what your advice is to people out there who are thinking of leaving their jobs and starting their own company. What are the, what are the kind of three things you think they should do before they make the leap? Yeah, so it's quite interesting, right? Because um, I, I had started one business before. And I did it next to my job, and I, w I never really c truly committed. So I learned a lot from that. We kind of ended up not losing a lot of money, which is good. But I did learn uh, quite a lot from it. And one of the things I said to myself, you have to commit. So this time I committed. And, but the thing is, the committing should be like psychological. I don't think you have to commit. Like I was lucky enough, so I said I did move to a smaller house and spend a lot less, but my wife does have a job. And for instance, I did, a so I, on the back of the book, I did a lot of speaking jobs. So the speaking jobs allowed me to kind of keep the cash flow going. So I think, you know, and if you read all the cool stories about like how Nike started or like Phil Knight, he was an accountant on the side. So kind of don't go all in and immediately go, you know, get funding. And uh, I would just go see if, the, if you could do it next to your job for a while or do something and then kind of test. And then, so that's the one thing. Commit fully psychologically, but don't, you don't have to commit fully like financially. And then secondly, kind of just what the advice I just gave, which I think goes for every, that is, I would say, blanket advice for everything. Just go out and test in a, in a good way, like action. Not only your friends or family, just, you know, make a little, can you make a little sample of whatever it is you're making for low money and then try that. So I think those would be the two key uh, advice bits I would give. So your shiny new object is how to get cut through as a new brand. And uh, 
I think anyone who lives in London must have seen some form of outdoor or that, that you guys have done. And, and, and when we were discussing this, you said, we've, we've done this on a tiny budget with a tiny team. It doesn't come across like that. So, so how have you done it? What was your, what was your process? What was your thinking? And, and what's worked with launching Tenzing in, the, in its current incarnation? Um, well, yeah, it's like the thing I actually, so again, coming back to this, this shiny object or the silver bullet we discussed before, there is no silver bullet. I remember in the beginning when I, I was trying to get as many uh, uh, meetings, I met um, uh, Richard Reed from Innocence and I got, I, so I, and also I said, what's the silver, what's the magic, you know, and there is nothing. It's, like it's chipping away, it's chipping away, you know, and I think there is no one way to get it done. And I think, and funny enough, that's when coming back to the advice thing, it's very, uh, groundwork, you know, just go in and try and sell it, and you know, it's very, it's n there's nothing glamorous, and there's no, you know, the whole, uh, yeah, the whole, s let's say, social media or digital is not going to help you a lot, I think. So, um, I, I sorry, been a saying, largely digital marketing event. What do you mean by <laughs> digital and social isn't going to help you a lot? Like, yeah. So obviously, again, from uh, remember my advice bit. Don't listen to any advice. It really, because the thing is, so I don't have an agenda, of course, other than you hopefully like Tenzing. That's obviously my agenda. But like, my, I don't have like I'm not a consultant. I don't don't want to sell you my ideas essentially. So, but uh, so that. But on the other hand, what goes for my business could not could not be applied to maybe another business. Um, but I know that let's say in food and drink, looking back, I would have not even started a social media channel. You know, because we did start uh, Instagram, and in the beginning, it doesn't work for you because the thing you have to you have to go in a store, make sure it's available, and then kind of make sure it sells in that specific store. So, what do you like? You got the the, the, the you know the product's got to be good. I think that's the key thing. Like, make the product amazing. You know, make the, the the design good, and then kind of we just did a lot of sampling. You know, just go in. It's, it's really the old school stuff that works most. No one's going to go, and it's also that first thousand followers. Have you ever heard of that theory? It's just as bad as the start with why theory. It's just because there isn't what, maybe for digital products, that's what it was designed for. Um, but there is, I don't even know who my first thousand buyers were, you know, so, but they sure as hell weren't coming through my social media channel. They were just discovering it in Whole Foods or they were discovering it in their office or at their university. So I think just be more, I don't even know what your question was anymore, to be honest. <laughs> You've answered it. It's <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, so you say you have to get the product in front, physically in yeah. front of people first. Yes, um, exactly. It's got to look cool. It's got to have a great proposition. So, did you come up against any resistance from any of the major supermarkets? Yeah. So, in the beginning, that uh, it's just impossible. That was the biggest shock, to be totally honest. You know, when you're at Red Bull and you, you know, you know, people like you. Uh, and partly maybe for me, but I think mostly they like me because I had a Red Bull and I had huge budgets. So everyone wants to meet you, right? And I think that's the biggest shock emotionally and ego-wise, I had to confess a bit, where I try to get meetings and no one wanted to meet me anymore, literally nobody. And what's your pitch to a buyer? I've, I've never seen that happen. Do you have like a fridge you bring in or a suitcase or is there dry ice or like, or, or do you just throw just a, a lot of product? Yeah, no, no, just kind of, you know, we tell our story and we say what we could, what we could do for them. And I think it's also kind of showing, you know, you can only build by showing small successes. So again, we were doing really well in like Whole Foods and Planet Organic. We were one of the best-selling drinks, or yeah, I think the best-selling drink in Planet Organic, for instance. So then with that data, you can then go and say, hey, we're the best-selling drink in Planet Organic. We will work here as well in Whole Foods or we'll work in Holland and Barrett. So it's a kind of slowly, that's what I mean, like chipping away. There is no one thing. Every year, I still hope that, to be honest, I still hope this will be the year that all of a sudden, you know, but we are growing really fast, but it's just, it's steady. You know, it's just, it's just going, keep going, keep working at it. 
So it, it's interesting to say that the digital and social channels are, are not as important as obviously as the foundational stuff. But uh, looking at your website, genuinely a beautiful bit of work, and I, yeah. I very rarely would say that. W tell me about the tell me about the investment that you made into into design because it's a, it's an experience. It's not brochureware. It's not just like we have these flavors and this is what. Yeah. In the, when you, you know, it's. It, it's very reminiscent of like kind of flash websites maybe 10 years ago where you were expected to have an experience to spend time with the brands. Like, yeah. Tell me about why that why you invested in that because I think you've done a really good job of it. Um, I don't think we invested that much in there actually. So, but uh, it was again, there's a big difference when you start. When I just had literally just the design, we made it ourselves. We had a designer, it's, it's, it's one guy, worked by himself. So start really small. And we changed the design of the website. In the beginning, it was just a couple of pictures with our, so we make it look good, but not spend too much time. And I think now we're getting bigger. You can actually enhance the uh, experience. And I, I hope the why you like the experience is more that because we actually, I'm a big believer in doing stuff. That's what you know. So for instance, we're organizing a, a you, with Jumling Tenzing, the son of Sherpa Tenzing. You can go on a trek with us to him to Nepal, and we work on environmental projects. You go to Labuchi East, it's an amazing trek. And you go to you go we go meditating at the at the monasteries where Sherpa Tenzing went before he went on his climb. So it's it's, it's an amazing trek. But uh, it, and, and and on our website you can see that video of going on that trek. So I think it's not so much the the design. I think it's actually just like having the experience and actually doing things that you can get involved with that makes it, you know, interactive nearly, right? So I mean, interactive is literally if you can interact and actually do something with it, not that if design is interactive nearly. But it's not just trips to Nepal that you talk about on the website. There's also a run. A run, yeah, exactly. So we have a, so we do a lot of running. So it's also about, I think about, I, I love running myself. It's, it's part of the thing that really kept me sane in the beginning and still. So, you know, do, I, do, I used to run a bit, but actually only when I started my business did I start to run quite regularly just to kind of keep myself uh, mentally healthy as well as physically because it's, it's like I said, it's, I, I tell it in a cool romantic way, the, like the Sainsbury stuff. And that's always the bit of the thing. I remember reading like losing my virginity and stuff from Richard Branson and you read how tough it is, but you always think, oh, that's so romantic romantic tough but when you're in it it's not romantic tough it's actually just tough <laughs> and then uh, and then so then running was really a nice way so we run a lot we run a lot with the team and then we thought well, let's uh, do a, uh, a run club so every Thursday we get together to run so you're all welcome it's, this, uh, it's tomorrow evening uh, from base camp our office and uh, we, we call, we call it a, it's a clean air running so we built a tool together with King's College that allows you to run in the cleanest routes in London so because there's a lot of air pollution and runners are more affected by that because they obviously deep, deep breathe, breathe deeper. Uh, we created a tool together with Strava as well, where you can get the, the, the uh, data from King's College, and then you can map out your cleanest runs in London. So every Thursday, we, we run the cleanest runs that are available in London. So it's again, I think uh, it's a cool way to kind of say, you know, energize yourself naturally, not with all the pollutants in the air, and, uh, and, and we help runners with that. So looking forward for the like, say next 12 months or so of marketing, what what is inspiring and exciting you ab about the industry that you think as a brand you're going to get involved with? Yeah, so nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what inspires me is actually like doing things. So we want to do stuff. So again, it, the thing is, I, I always like to think, so we with this run club, for instance, a lot of people come, it's, you know, it's not, again, it's not huge, right? On a, on a really, like we've had once, we had 112, but usually it's about like 25. And these people come to our run club and, uh, and they take pictures 
of them at the run club and then they post about that and then I think other people would call that micro influencing uh, but these are actually people that come to run club and love it and they post about it so I think I th I'm a big big believer in actually doing that's what actually my whole books about funny enough so I, I wrote the theory first and then I then wrote uh, the build my brand uh, on top of that with it with it with the team and I think it's all about kind of that's what excites me doing stuff that's what we talk about a lot in the team it's like what can we actually do to help runners what can we do to help climbers or help the mountains and then actually make that happen and then the content will come as a result well i think that's a, a a lovely place to leave it thank you so much if anyone in the room wanted to get in touch with you how would you like them to do it uh so i'm on linkedin so my name is uh, unpronounceable but the good thing is it's the only one so if it's up there well it'll be somewhere so yeah then you can uh, yeah that one so uh, if you if you connect with me on linkedin uh, that would be great I don't, I don't reply to all uh, direct messages, uh, just as a <laughs> saying. A final, ma final marketing question. What makes a really good reach out message on LinkedIn? Uh, well, if I'm going to give that away, but I will give it away. What I'm always a sucker for if someone says, but it has to be genuine, you feel that, I love Tenzing. Like <laughs> no one can deny a compliment. That's my, you know, it's true. So I love Tenzing. And be very specific. I get one every day at Tesco in that and that. Then I know it's true. And I, I, no, I can't not react to those people because then I think this is actually someone who's like, who likes the brand and who like is a customer of mine. So in that sense, I will I will always react. But so I think that that's and I always keep uh, keep it short. So if you're doing a, a like a cold mail, you know you get like stories. You know I just don't even read. So like you know, so assuming this is not for me, but like if you want to call, you know, just keep give them a compliment, genuine, and then keep it short. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much, you and Tom. That was great.